Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Too Late to Fly podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm Kevin. Together, we're going to dive into different topics around weight loss, body image, relationships with food, and how to overcome life's everyday struggles and challenges so we can all live our best lives possible. Remember, it's It's never never too late late to fly. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is episode 14. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that Jacqueline gets asked about quite frequently, which is how she found herself weighing actually over 500 pounds. Um, And that's not something that I think if you look at all of the things that you know and realize now, um, if you went back, I don't think you'd ever allowed yourself to get to that point. Yeah, I think this is a number one question I get asked because a lot of people don't talk about it and don't share about what led them to extreme weight gain. Um, I know a lot of the times, even for me specifically, I share a lot about how I lost weight and an extreme amount of weight that I lost. Um, But it's not really talked about why certain people or myself, I'm just going to talk about myself from personal experience, why I got to 500 pounds, like what led up to that. And so since I get asked all the time, and of course, some in a nice way and some in a not so nice way, um, I thought it was an interesting thing to kind of talk about and share because like I said, it's not talked about a lot. And I think there's a lot that goes into for me specifically, why I gained 500 pounds. Well, I think that's the case with most people who are extremely overweight is it's not just as simple as, okay, you're overeating. There's some mental health issues more than likely that are leading you to that point or to that place of, of being extremely overweight. And I think there's still such a stigma around mental health um, and not just mental health, but with eating disorders. I think a lot of the times people associate eating disorders with people who don't eat or who are extremely underweight and they associate being overweight with just being lazy, eating too much and needing to be motivated to lose weight. Um, So I think there's still such a stigma around mental health, body issues, and people who are overweight and who may be suffering with eating disorders. Right. Um, So with that, I think maybe we can jump into, um, obviously you've struggled with your weight uh, that you've shared since you were a little girl. Um, Maybe we can dig into a little bit about when you first realized maybe that there was some, uh, that you were different than other people in the aspect of that you were overweight compared to other peers your age. Yeah, so I think it all goes back to, and I know Kevin and I have had this conversation a lot, is how you're raised, how you're brought up, and kind of the dialogue that you hear as you're growing up surrounding food and eating and a bunch of different things like that. And I think that plays a part in how you develop and grow is what you're role modeled and what you're around. Um, And so my family comes from a family of everyone for the most part is overweight and struggles with weight. So I think when you come in with like a family who struggles with weight themselves and that's role modeled is watching, you know, your aunts, your grandparents, cousins struggle with weight and their body and food. And that's what's kind of role modeled. And that's what you hear. Um, I think that plays a big role in how people have kind of eating issues or body issues or weight issues, food issues. Um, And I remember always hearing, you know, from my mom, from grandparents, aunts is, oh, I'm not going to have dessert tonight. I'm going to be good. Or I'm on a diet. I don't like the way I look. I have to eat salad. So I think a lot of that played into the relationship I had with food with myself from a very young age is associating foods with good or bad or associating I should or shouldn't eat this or if you're overweight, you shouldn't eat this, you should eliminate this, these foods are good, these foods are bad um, because that's what was kind of role modeled. Um, And I don't think back then it was really talked about eating disorders or going to see someone if you are struggling with food or your relationship with food, your relationship with yourself. And from a very young age, I was always overweight. And it was just something that I thought, this is just who I am. This is how it is. Um, And every time I would go to the doctor, I would always hear, you need to lose weight. Like, she's overweight. You need to, you know, put her on X diet or whatever. 
So on top of having that kind of be role modeled, I was constantly hearing you're overweight, you need to lose weight from doctors, but never given like the help of what else could be going on that she's struggling with or why is she overweight or why is she struggling with food? Right. Um, and then, of course, children being children, I was made fun of. I was put down. Um, people didn't want to be my friends because I was the fat girl. Um, and so all of that combining with always hearing doctors and people telling me you need to lose weight just shot my self-esteem way low and I had no confidence, no self-esteem, didn't love myself, hated my body and was constantly seeing nutritionists and specialists and trying to figure out, you know, what diet would work for me or what I would stick to. And being a young girl, that's oh, hard. Absolutely. Like Anybody that's, going through that would be difficult. And I didn't have the words to communicate like I'm struggling or people are making fun of me and it's hurting my feelings. It was just constantly, it was always about the food. It was never the mental aspect of what could be going on or the mental side of always being bullied or always having people talking about your weight. Like that was never addressed. Right. But at the same time, while all of this is going on, uh, at school, you took on this role. Mm-hmm. And you accepted that these labels that people put on you and that kind of became who you were. Right. So while I was going to school, and I think this was even in elementary school or middle school, I got this label of I was the shy fat girl. Um, and that's just who I kind of became. And I think because I struggled so much with my self-esteem, my self-confidence and who I was as a person without Jacqueline being weight loss or weight overweight Jacqueline, I didn't know who I was. You just took that role and that became who you were and you accepted that this is just kind of what I am. Right. And so I figured I was just a girl who was fat, who people didn't want to be friends with, who was going to get made fun of. And all of this happening, I'm one who I don't like confrontation. I don't stand up for myself. Again, lacking that confidence, that self-esteem. Never stood up for myself, never defended myself. But also, even from like my mom, my dad, close friends and family, I never told anyone how much I was struggling, how much I felt different than everyone else, how much, you know, kids got desserts in their lunch and I never did, or how I was always made fun of on the playground, picked last for kickball and volleyball. No one wanted me on their team. I never talked about it. And, you know, even now as, as an adult, like, that's hard for people to go through, to be put down and shamed and you know, people not wanting to hang out with you as an adult. But imagine being like a child and going through that. Like that was really hard. Um, and I did not want to speak up because I didn't want my mom to get involved with the principal, the school. I didn't want more attention brought to me where they would go try to talk to the kids or the families or like I did not want any of that attention. Um and so I always pretended I was okay. And if I was out in public and someone made fun of me or my body or put me down, I would laugh about it. Like I never wanted anyone to know I was anything other than a happy kid. Right. Because I didn't deep down want anyone to know I was struggling, I was hurting, I needed help. Well, I think um, this is the classic thing of it goes beyond you were just overeating. There were these other roles that were playing into that because you were still active. You were still doing gymnastics. You were still doing um, what other activities right. did you participate in? I mean, it I wasn't like you swimming, were just... swimming, dance, ballet, gymnastics. Like I was a very active child. But when you're constantly being told to lose weight, you're different than your friends, you know, you just feel different. I think that plays a huge part in like that emotional and mental health where it wasn't I was just lazy and overeating. I was psychologically not dealing with the emotions and the trauma of constantly being put on a diet, constantly getting made fun of and keeping all of that in. Right. So there, that's what I'm saying. There was more than just you're sitting at home and eating mindlessly and gaining weight. You're still being active. You're still... Um, actively participating in whatever activities it was. It's not like you're just sitting around and eating mindlessly all right. day long, every day. And I day. think that's the classic stereotype of what people think people who are overweight do. Like you just constantly are stuffing your face with food and not moving. Right. And I think that's the misconception or the stereotype that's put on. 
Um, and even doctors who assume like that's what you must be doing because you're overweight. Right. And because I kept everything in and didn't talk about it and wasn't, you know, offered that help, like maybe you need to talk to someone or maybe this is deeper than you're just eating too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I took comfort in food. Like I ate to fill my emo- emotions, ate to fill that void. If I was upset, I would eat when I when I was, you know, sad or scared or upset or was made fun of, I would keep turning to food. Or happy. And, and so, excited and celebrating, you would y- yeah. eat as well. Yeah, so of course you like celebrate and, you know, birthdays and, you know, you got a good grade and, you know, coming from a family who has struggled with weight, it was a lot of celebrations and things were all surrounding food. You had a bad day at school, let's go get ice cream. You got an A on your test, let's go out for pizza. So food is, I think, a big part of like a celebratory well i think culturally it is right. i think i don't think there's anything i think that's just the way it works and i don't think there's a problem with no, that i don't either the problem is becomes when you only use food and you can only use food for comfort and support mm-hmm. and those things that but when you're using food as like joy be, then that, that's not an issue there but, should be no reason that you got an a on your test and you shouldn't be able to go out and exactly. enjoy it and get an ice cream cone right but for someone like myself who struggles with their body and their relationship with food and the way they view themselves so much, the problem's not going and celebrating with ice cream. Like Kevin said, the problem is why do you feel like you need ice cream after a bad day or that you need it after this or because you don't want to talk about your emotions that you're needing it to cope with all those things. That's where the issue comes. And I never wanted attention on myself, like I said. And so I got made fun of on the playground. I would come home and turn to food and start eating. Um, I would get made fun of for the size of my body. I would want to go eat. I'd go to a doctor and they say, oh, you know, you're gaining weight. You need to lose weight. I would turn to food for comfort because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know where else to turn to because it just felt like everyone in my life was always constantly talking about my body, my size. You need to lose weight, go on this diet, try this, you know, don't eat this. You shouldn't eat this. Um, And it even got to a point where I would just not eat out in public at all because I didn't want anyone to watch me eat. Like it became that obsession of even at lunchtime, I wouldn't want to eat around my friends because I felt like they were constantly judging what was going on, judging what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, what I was doing. Oh, that's why she's fat. She's eating that. Like, and it was such a deep psychological issue that was going on. And, you know, from a very young age and not getting that help that I needed. Right. So there got to be a point where you had some health issues going on and you actually did have some success with losing uh, a pretty good chunk of weight. Uh, Why don't you expand and share about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, like I said, all throughout school, I was always the shy fat girl, became that, started high school, that carried along with me. That's just who I was. And deep down inside, I knew that wasn't me. But like I said, I had no confidence in myself, no love for myself. So I didn't really know who I was. Um, So I got to high school and I started having some health issues where it felt like I had like a stabbing pain in my side, in my stomach. And it was so bad. I couldn't get out of bed. I was like screaming. I was in so much pain. And doctors and everyone was like, we can't find anything. They ran tests. Um... And they thought I just didn't want to go to school. And I was like, something's wrong. This isn't just I don't want to go to school because I'm getting made fun of. Like, something's right. wrong. There's something more beyond. <sighs> um, and they're like, no, we've ran tests. We did blood work. We did MRI, CT scans. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time someone had mentioned, well, maybe you need to go talk to someone because you're making up this pain. So add that on top of already how I feel about myself, that completely like broke me, like just completely was like, now no one's even trusting me when I have something wrong, like physically wrong. It's not just overweight, Um, but no one's trusting me. Um, And so finally we kept fighting it. We kept, you know, going. My parents kept going to this doctor, this doctor, this doctor. And it was uh, one of my mom's friends was a nurse at Stanford. And um, she's like, why don't you, we'll get you in, go see someone. They can check what's going on. So it ended up, uh, they did some tests. I don't know how they found it and no one did. (laughs) But they ran some tests and they found um, there was some sort of 
something not right, like near like where your gallbladder area would be. And they said, we want to go in and explore because they checked gallbladder. They said, your gallbladder is fine. You didn't have any of the tests that came up that you had gallbladder issues. But this doctor was like, there's something not right in that area. Like it came up. So we went in, did exploratory surgery to check. And they found my gallbladder wasn't only not functioning properly. It was completely dead to a point. It was like black. Like it was so dead. Um, And so they removed my gallbladder and I was fine. So I don't, I don't exactly know why I didn't show up in tests that there was something wrong with it. I still don't know to this day, but hearing that as a child, like your doctors and people when you're in pain like that, who still don't believe in you, like, and telling you to go talk to someone because you're making this pain up, um, now is really surprising knowing that they never recommended that for an eating disorder or the way I viewed myself or talked to myself or thought about myself, but they were so quick to send you to someone because you were making up a pain. Um, Well, I think that just goes back to that stigma around like mental health and eating disorders and that whole... Because if I was overweight, there's no way I had an eating disorder. I just had to stop eating and lose weight. Exactly. So I think that goes back to just the whole the way people view eating disorders and uh, mental health in general and that stigma that surrounds those two subjects. Right. So at this point, I was probably in high school around 50-ish pounds overweight from where they wanted me to be. After I had surgery, one of the doctors was like, okay, well, we're going to put you on a special diet to kind of monitor your gallbladder because your gallbladder helps process like the fat. Um, They're like, we're going to put you on a special diet, but we're also going to help you try to lose weight. Like we want you to lose 50 pounds. Um, and leading up to this point, my trust in doctors had, was completely gone because no one believed me. No one felt like they cared about me. They were just ready to send me to a psychiatrist because I was making up pain. And then finally it was like, see, now do you believe me that I had this pain? You know? And so I was like, fine, you want me to lose 50 pounds? I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm not even going to, you know, make it an issue, not even whatever. And I went strict hardcore on this diet that this doctor gave me and looking back now it was somewhat of like the keto diet where it was absolutely no bread or carbs but it was no dairy no fruit even like it was very hardcore strict what they put me on which again putting someone who's a freshman in high school on this type of plan and not even realizing or having the knowledge that I had an eating disorder and was already struggling with food was probably the worst thing they could have done. (laughs) Well, like we've talked about in the last few episodes, you lead to that restriction and what's that going to be followed by? It's going to be followed by some sort of a binge. Right. And so again, not knowing, saying, thinking this is just another typical diet that, you know, Everyone's trying to put me on since I was little, but I had this fire inside me that was like, all these doctors never believed me. They probably don't believe me that I'm going to lose weight. So watch me. I'm going to do it. And this was definitely, uh, I'm going to prove you wrong um, type of situation. And I would go in every week and, you know, they would weigh me, check things. And he's like, oh my God, you're losing weight so fast. Good job. Again, another red flag of, When you're like 13 years old, you know, and drastically losing like four pounds a week, not the healthiest thing. Not sustainable. um, And so having doctors congratulate you added to that way I thought about myself where when you lose weight, you're doing a good job. If you don't lose weight, you're doing something wrong. And it even got to a point where I would stand on the scale, did nothing different than the week before that I lost four pounds. I didn't lose and even would have the doctor say, well, what did you do wrong this week? Right. So it's all the way going back. And that's why I think it's important to kind of share this is because those ways of thinking now that I still have are not just now that I'm thinking it. It's years and years of being taught. You lose weight, it's good. You don't lose weight, it's bad. Don't lose weight when you're trying. You're doing something wrong. Right. Um, from years and years and years. So you got to this point where you, you lost the weight. You were healthy at this point. So I lost the 50 pounds and they're like, good job. Like, congratulations. So, you know, I lost the weight my whole sophomore year because pretty much freshman year after that point was gone. Sophomore year, lost 50 pounds, came back junior year 
And it was like I was a whole new person. Everyone was like, oh, my gosh, you look so good. You lost so much weight. Wow, you're so pretty. And those started coming. I I mean, you're a junior in high school. You're still very young. Um, So I started associating, again, I look pretty when I lose weight, not pretty when you're overweight. Now people want to talk to you when you lose weight. And it started that disordered view of myself and my body even more like it got worse um and like kevin said you restrict for so long my junior year i was probably barely eating because i didn't know what to eat like i was like if i eat anything else i'm gonna gain weight like that's just how it happens like that's how it's always been so i definitely suffered from probably not eating or some form of um like anorexia starvation like because i didn't know what to do and i wanted so desperately to keep this physique and this body image of myself Mm -hmm. because i had never been this thin before in quotes or skinny um and getting all this positive attention felt really good like i'm not gonna lie like it felt really good to not be made fun of for my body and actually feel normal Although inside, it was nothing normal going on. Like, my thoughts, what I viewed myself, my own self-reflection, like, it was nothing good about it. But that positive reinforcement, finally, from people, like, you're doing a good job, you look so good, and not having it be, you need to lose weight. Um, And then I went off to college, and that, that cycle started shifting the other way, and... I was like, I want to be like everyone else. Well, you have newfound freedom of being... I'm tired of restricting to try to stay like this. I thought now I don't have to worry about my weight because I'm skinny now and I fixed it. Like, it's all better. And so I started going out, partying, drinking, eating pizza every night, doing what the normal college student was doing and copying what my friends were doing and how they were eating. And I started gaining weight. And it started, you know, small, like junior, freshman year. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And that addiction to food after restricting for so long kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I just kept eating and I wasn't exercising. I wasn't really doing anything at that point. My friends would sometimes go to the gym. I would not go to the gym. Um, And so I slowly started my seeing myself gain weight again. Right. And so at that point, you... We weren't eating the greatest of diets. You had uh, stopped doing the exercising and movement and you'd become very living a sedentary lifestyle of kind of sitting around and mm-hmm. watching movies and just not moving a whole lot. And, and so I, at that point, like you're not going to maintain your weight. You're going to start gaining weight because you're consuming way more calories than what you're burning. And then it got back to that point of oh my gosh, I'm gaining weight. No one's going to like me. What are they thinking about me? And the psychological stuff that was always there that I just tried to keep quiet and shut up those thoughts in my head about myself kept creeping up because I never addressed them. I never got help. I never, you know, got the help for how much I was mentally struggling, you know, all those years. Right. Um, and so that just kept getting worse. And then I felt worse about myself and I was turning to food again. Wouldn't talk to anyone about what was really going on and kept turning to food again. Um, and I think all of that, keeping all of that in and all of those emotions in, I felt myself turning back into that shy, fat girl again, like the wing person to friends going out. Um, because, of course, I was overweight now. And so I didn't think anyone wanted to talk to me, liked me, you know. And so I turned back into that shy fat girl role that was put on right. me years and years and years ago and never talked about it and just kept turning to food more and more. I think you probably found, somewhat found comfort in that role because you were familiar with it. And so right. it was easy to fall back into that role and that, that uh, like that, just that whole persona. Right. And then again, going back to the doctor saying, okay, you've gained weight. What are we doing? It was just that constant cycle of, you know, being stuck in this person that I didn't want to be, but not getting the proper help that I actually needed. Because for me, it was far bigger than just needing to lose weight. And it was never talked about or addressed. And for me, the only way I knew to feel better was to keep comforting myself with food. Right. And so then this keeps continuing to snowball, snowball, snowball until you find yourself at 
your heaviest weight. Right. So it's not something like one day I was at a normal weight and the next day I'm 500 pounds. Like this was years Years down the road. Right. Trying to get out of this, but not able to. But not really actively doing really anything to change what was going on. You would kind of fall into the same routine of the same poor eating habits, the same lack of exercise and movement. And it was kind of years on end of doing that that led you to being where you were at your heaviest. Right. And it was also going on diets, losing weight, and then gaining it again. Like it was always a constant lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight. And I think there was a certain point where I was like, enough. Like, I'm so tired of trying to lose weight. I'm so tired of these diets. I'm so tired of nothing working. Um, And I just completely gave up at that point. I was like, I've tried everything. I've asked doctors for help. They just say lose weight. I've tried a million diets, every diet you could think of. And I would only end up gaining weight back plus some after I lost it. And, you know, being 21 years old or 20 years old, doing this your whole life it got exhausting like i was exhausted with trying to worry about what i'm eating what i'm not eating am i moving enough am i not moving enough how do i stop eating i'm hungry but i shouldn't eat this i don't want to eat this i don't want my body to look like this i don't know who i am i don't want to tell anyone who i am and i was completely tired of it like it got to a point where i was just like screw it all i don't care anymore because i'm so over it right um and so i just started turning to food more and more and more and more and of course you know family members made comments and said things and friends were like you know your weight's kind of getting out of hand you need help and i was such in a place where i was like i want nothing to do with diets and i want no one telling me what to do with my life anymore with food because that's how it's been my whole life and I just completely shut everyone down because I was like, I'm tired of it. No, absolutely. And I think it gets to a point where if you've struggled with your weight all your life, you somewhat get to a point where you're like, enough. Right. I don't care anymore. I don't care if I eat myself to death. Well, I think you tired. were at a point too where where you knew that it was an issue, but you didn't really like fully admit that it was an issue because you hadn't stood on the scale. You didn't mm-hmm. realize where you were. You didn't realize, you thought, okay, well, I've just put on a little weight, but you're not realizing really where you were. Right. I think it became, I just felt the same no matter how much I weighed is either I felt like I was overweight or I felt at times, okay, I'm at a good weight. Um, right. So whether I was 200 pounds, 300 pounds, 400 pounds, it all felt the same to me. I felt overweight. Right. When I looked in the mirror, I still saw an overweight girl no matter how much I weighed. Right. So it was never like Kevin said, I never stood on the scale and actually was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like how right. bad is this getting? Um. And it took, you know, a lot for me to kind of tell friends and family, like, don't worry about me, stop listening, you know, to what they were saying, because I know they were very concerned. Um, And looking back, I feel awful because I could only imagine what everyone was going through when I started becoming like really heavy. Um, And it even got to a point where it was so bad I couldn't sleep at night because I would stop breathing. And then I would just randomly fall asleep during the day because I didn't sleep. Um, Like it got really, really bad. Well, there was definitely some sleep apnea, but again, you never went to the doctor because you didn't want to hear what they were going to tell you. Oh, you need to lose weight. Every time you You go to the doctor. You went for a cold. Oh, you need to lose weight. You went for a strep throat. Oh, you need to lose weight. Like, so you just got tired of hearing that. So you stopped going to the doctor. It gets very tiring of when you go to the doctor and the only thing they tell you is you need to lose weight. Like Kevin said, you have a sore throat. You need to lose weight. Like, you have a pain in your finger, you need to lose weight. So it was just like, I'm not doing it. I didn't go to the doctor. Um, And so there was a lot of issues happening where I knew, okay, this has gotten out of hand. But again, I was like, I don't know how to fix it. I've tried every diet. I've tried, you know, not eating and starving myself. I tried, you know, all these different things and nothing was working and I didn't know what to do. Right. And you had find we found you were like at this kind of down and out spot. And that's when Jenny and I, your sister and I, uh, we decided let's just take a trip to Disneyland. That's like your happy place that'll maybe that'll jumpstart you and get you going and bring you out of this kind of right deep, dark pit that you'd right. kind of fall into. Because I definitely got to a place where I was severely depressed. I couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed, needed help getting dressed. I couldn't put my own shoes and socks on, couldn't brush my hair. 
I was in such a deep, dark place that I knew I needed help, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. And so... Um, but have, at this point, you hadn't really ever come out and like admitted that right. I never... And still was keeping everything in to myself of how much I was struggling, how badly I was in pain, how much I didn't like being this way. And I kept it all in. Like, it was a very internal... I'm fine, put a smile on my face, did my hair makeup, got dressed up in fancy clothes and pretended I was fine all of the time. Um, And then, like Kevin said, it was a trip to Disneyland when I was at rock bottom. So I thought um, that they're like, let's go to your happy place and see if we can get you out of this funk and get like your spark back. Um, And it started off very poorly. (laughs) Um, I couldn't even walk from the car to like the gate, like the front gate of Disneyland. I had to stop like 50 times because I could not walk. Um, Well, physically, just it was strenuous. Right. And so we ended up getting me a wheelchair. And I remember rolling down Main Street like this is rock bottom. Like, how did I get my life to this point? Like, how did I do this? Like, how am I at my happy place? And I feel so bad. Like, I hated myself. Um, And I was like, I can't go on any of the rides. I'm not going to fit. I can't even walk. Like, what am I doing here? Like, it was just one of those moments, like, why did I agree to do this? Because I feel everyone looking at me, judging at me, judging me, staring at me. And it was making me want to, like, curl up in a little ball and, like, disappear from everyone. Like, I was so, had a very poor well, this image self-image of and self-thoughts and that whole mental health thing that we that's that common thread that weaves through your whole journey it, it was at the lowest of low right um and so there was a ride where i was like you know what i think i can fit on this it doesn't really have a seatbelt. like it was a little kid ride i was like i can fit on this let me try and go do this um got out of the wheelchair got in line and there was like a turnstile you had to go through to get on the actual ride. And so I don't remember, like, I don't know if you and my sister went through first, if one of you did something. I don't remember the exact details. But I think either Kevin or my sister went through first. And then I went to go and I got stuck in the turnstile. Um, couldn't go forward, couldn't move out, was completely stuck. And I was mortified. I felt people looking at me, judging me, pointing at me, laughing at me. I just felt like the world was spinning out of control at that point. And the only thing I knew to do was start laughing. And I started hysterically laughing. Oh, my gosh, isn't this so funny? Got myself unstuck. Um, And then I remember Jenny and Kevin were like, are you okay? Like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God, don't even ask me that. I'm fine. It's totally fine. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Let's just go on the ride. And, you know. Um, and so we ended up getting out of line because there was no way I could well, we go, had to go through. Back the way we had to like, from. right. Cause I couldn't go through the turnstile. There was no other way, but to leave the line. And, um, and so they said, well, maybe you can go through the exit. We could do whatever. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Totally fine. Um, went to the bathroom and went into the stall, shut the door and started bawling my eyes out. Like just completely like that hysterical, can't catch your breath crying and i don't even want to imagine like the people next to me like because it wasn't a soft like oh i'm crying in the stall it was like full-blown like i hit rock bottom um and it wasn't something i was able to hold in anymore like it was coming out um when it was in that moment that you knew that something was like needed to change. Right. And I remember thinking, this cannot be my life. This is not my life. How did I get my life here? This is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. Um, and the thoughts of, you know, what all the doctors told me is you're, you could die at any minute. Your heart could get about like it, it was such like a dark place I was in. And then on top of that being like, how do I feel like this way at my favorite place on earth as well? Like, you're in Disneyland and you're in the bathroom crying because at any moment you can pass out and die because of your weight. And I remember sitting there like, what do I do? Like, am I supposed to wipe my tears and walk out of the bathroom? Like, everything's fine. Um, Do I let Kevin and Jenny know how much I'm struggling? Like, I was literally in there like, what do I do? Like, where do I go from here? Seriously. Um, 
And I always say it was like Disney magic came over me. If you've heard my story, you've heard this a thousand times. But literally, it felt like Walt Disney came to me and was like, you're okay, you can do this. And that Disney magic came and I was like, I can do this. I can change my life. I can make the decisions and the choices that are best for me. I know what I have to do. And I said, I got this. Like, I can do this. And I wiped my tears, went out of the bathroom. When we got home, I started. I did it. And I haven't looked back since. And I think this goes back to one of the questions I get asked a lot is, why did your friends and family let you get to this point? And I don't know if it's something you want to talk a little bit about how... A little bit of it is I don't think... Or what you were feeling watching me go through this and knowing there was nothing you could do. Right. I mean, I think that's ultimately what it boils down to. Like, it was ultimately your choice and your decision to continue living the life you were living or to make the changes and fix. And ultimately, there was nothing that really anybody could have said or done that was going to make you realize that you needed to make some changes in your own life. I mean, sure, we could all be there and support you, but until you truly wanted to or realized that there was a bigger issue going on, there was nothing that was really like, okay, we can push you towards it, but you could deny it and say everything's fine and keep digging yourself a deeper hole. And like I tell people, it's not like it's anyone's I never blame anyone for getting where I am. I'm never like, oh, I wish you would have stopped me sooner. Oh, I wish you would have done this. I take full responsibility for where I was and I take full responsibility now for where I'm at now and the choices and the decisions I'm making now. So I never put blame or blame anyone or even tell Kevin, oh, why didn't you stop me sooner and you know not let me get to 500 pounds? Well, I think that's the thing too, is people did try and bring it up to you and um, it, I saw what it did to you emotionally when that happened. So for me to step up and put you in that place and make it seem like you were digging yourself a deeper hole, I never felt that that was the right thing to do. So I kind of took a step back and was like, I'm going to support you in the, every way that I know how. Um, but it wasn't really like I said, oh, we need to make a change or oh, we need to do this. It was just kind of letting you come to that realization when you were ready and then supporting you 100% behind whatever it was that you needed to do. Right. And I think that is something that, you know, to address that question, but to, you know, let everyone know out there who may be listening to this is when people are at their low moments or really struggling, whether it be food, alcohol, whatever depression, whatever deep place they're in, they have to be the ones who want to change. They have to be the ones who want to make the choices and the decisions to get out of that hole for themselves. Um, It's nothing that, you know, Kevin's saying, oh, you need to lose weight. And I'm like, okay, let me lose weight. Like it has to come from within with you actually wanting to do it. Right. And right along with that, though, it's not like I was living this healthy, happy lifestyle myself. I was living the same sedentary, eating the poor foods, choices and all of those things right along with you. It wasn't like, oh, I was living one lifestyle and here you were living right. another. We were living the same like lifestyle. Like you're eating salads and I'm driving through right. and getting... Right. Like we were both eating the same drive through meals. We were both going home, sitting on the couch, eating mindlessly, watching TV and drinking soda and eating right. ice cream and all the whole nine yards. Like it wasn't like one of us was doing it and the other was not. Right. And I think that's something where, you know... One of the comments that still stays in my mind to this day is, well, no one must have loved you if they let you get to that point. And I think that's such a a horrible thing to say, first of all, to anyone. Um, But addiction is a real thing. And I had so many people in my life, including Kevin, who wanted what was best for me. And my mom, my cousin, my sister would bring all of this up to me. And I was not in a place where I was ready to change or I felt I could do it. Well, I think, too, there was a part, too, that like nobody, when people did bring things up to you about trying to get you to change, you uh, responded so poorly Mm -hmm. and you went to a deeper, darker place. I don't think your, your family, your direct family, your mom, your dad, your sister, myself, I don't think either any of us wanted to be the one to kind of like push you over the edge to Mm -hmm. make it be be bigger than, okay, you're just eating yourself. Right. And I don't think I allowed people to fully realize how much I was struggling 
with food, with my body, with, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just like I'm eating all this fast food and I need to stop. Right. Like there was a bigger issue going on that I never talked about. Like I never told Kevin, my mom, my dad, I never told anyone, you know what? I cannot physically stop eating food. Right. Or I'm struggling so much with my self-confidence, my worth, my... You know, I never let people know that. I did a very good job at hiding that and keeping it in. And so when people would bring up like, oh, you need to lose weight, let's lose weight. They didn't realize even how much of a bigger issue it was. And for me, it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, let's go try another diet. It was like I have so much that I was dealing with that I kept in that was so much bigger than just needing to lose weight. Right. Um. And so I don't think it ever has to do with people don't love you or don't care about you or respect you if they're, in quotes, allowing you to get this extremely overweight. But I think... Well, I think you make a great point by saying, like, you never place blame on anybody else. Ultimately, you're the one who has the control and that makes the choices to get right. Just whatever like results no one's is. sitting there shoving food down my throat. No right. one's going to be there to stop me from eating... What Were they going to slap it out of my hand? Right. Like, like so, so it... When people are struggling like this, it's not fair to say people didn't love them or try to help them or stop them. Because when you're in this such a negative place of struggling with addiction or these mental health issues, um, it's not as easy as someone just saying, oh, okay, Jacqueline, let's lose weight. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks for helping me and stopping me. I would have never done it on my own. Like, it's so much bigger than that. Um, and it ultimately comes down to when you are ready to make the change because I'm not going to lose weight to try to impress Kevin. I'm not going to try to lose weight because my mom wants me to lose weight. I'm not going to lose weight because my best friend's like, Hey, I like you better when you're thin. Like it has to come from within. Otherwise you're not going to do it. It's not going to work. Um, well, you might do it for a month or two, but then you're going to be right back where you were and then probably add some more to that because you've been restricting and not making a sustainable choice to get where you lost the weight. Right. And so it definitely has to come from within and you wanting to change and wanting to make those those choices to lose weight and change your life. And I knew it was going to be a bigger thing of it's not just losing weight. Like it's dealing with my relationship with food, how I view food, my eating disorder, how I'm so dependent on food, keeping my emotions in. Um, and I had to go to a place where I was ready to address all of that before I was just like, okay, now let's just lose weight. Right. Um, so you got to that point in Disneyland was your point where like, okay, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And you made those choices to change your diet. And initially it was to start moving by walking for five minutes each day. Right. I think it's little changes that led up to the weight loss. Um, But it really comes down to, and I want people to know this, it's obviously if I could have, I wouldn't have got myself to 500 pounds. Like if I was able to stop myself and get the help sooner, obviously I would have. I'm not like, oh, hooray, I'm at 500 pounds. Now I can start losing weight, you know, and put this insurmountable 300 pound weight loss on the table and be like, that's what I was actually hoping for. Um, so for people to make those comments of, well, why do you allow yourself to do that? It's so much bigger than that. It's not like I was sitting there saying, okay, I'm almost at 500 pounds. Let's Let's see see how how big big I can go. Yeah. Like that's not the case. And obviously if I could have changed and made those changes sooner, I would have. And I think that's such an important thing to address with people who are struggling with their weight or are extremely overweight is to put that blame on people or to make those judgments or to call people names or lazy or you just have to lose weight or put any of those stereotype stigma around people is so harmful because you do not know what they're going through. You don't know what they're struggling with. And for me, being 500 pounds was such a bigger issue than just, oh, I'm eating too much and I need to lose weight. And people don't realize that. Well, I think too, you going through that and living that yourself gives you a different lens to look at other people in their situations where you don't know what someone's going through or where they've been or what's led them to be where they are currently. Right. And I'm not saying everyone who's overweight has an eating disorder or struggles with their relationship with food or has no self-confidence or no body love or love No, themselves. but there could be something that's going on that led everyone, them to where no they are. No matter what they look like, who you are, we're all fighting some sort of battle that no one has any idea about. And so I think part of me sharing this is to just really open people's eyes to the stigma that's still around mental health, that's still around obesity and people who are overweight. 
And, you know, getting help when you are that big is not just losing weight. Right. It's really making sure you make your mental health a priority and breaking those stigmas of this is what an eating disorder looks like and this is what it doesn't look like. Right. Because it can happen to any person, male, female, age, uh, height, gender, doesn't matter. Like eating disorders do not discriminate against anyone. And there's not one specific way where only this person has an eating disorder. And so I think what I, a big passion of mine is breaking the stigma around mental health, breaking the stigma around eating disorders and allowing people to actually be who they are without the labels, without, you know, the shame, without everything that goes along with it. So people can actually live their best life possible. Because for me, it had to come to me breaking down that stigma of I am not the shy fat girl. You have no right to label me or tell me who I'm going to be. You have no right to shame me or my body or put me down. I'm now changing my life because it's what I want to do and I'm going to make the choices that are best for me. And that's starting with my mental health, the relationship with food, the relationship with my body, because ultimately the relationship you have with yourself and how you view yourself and love yourself and respect yourself is what matters so much more. And so for me, it had to be breaking that stereotype, slashing it, throwing it out the door. I'm not a shy fat girl and trying to figure out who I am and allowing that to come through and help me on my journey. Right. And I think it's important also to bring up at this point, it took you from going to being the 500 pound shy fat girl to losing over 300 pounds before you got to the mental place to be able to say what you just said right there. Right. Like that's not something that like, okay, I'm this over 500 pound girl. And then you start thinking this way. It was that whole journey of losing the weight that led you to coming to realize and starting to fight those battles and fight those demons to change your mental uh, way you view things, the way you talk about things, the way you are. That was a constant change along with that weight loss that got you to the point to be able to think and say and speak and do what you're doing currently. And it is still to this day a constant battle and something I struggle with, with the eating disorder, with the way I view myself. But I feel like the biggest difference now is just being aware of it. Being right. aware that I have these disordered ways of thinking. I have this unhealthy relationship with myself and with food at times. But being aware of it is the first step to actually healing and overcoming it and getting the actual help you need. And by me talking to a therapist, having an eating disorder specialist, actually working on these things makes me realize just how important our mental health is and how much bigger it was like it's not necessarily the 300 pound weight loss that's like the huge victory in all of this. Right. But it's actually, you know, throwing out those stereotypes, those stigmas, those labels that everyone put on me. Right. Well, I think too, the bigger victory could be even the way you think and talk and view yourself and realizing that those things are are more important than the, the physical appearance or mm -hmm. the, the, the weight loss in and of itself. And knowing it can go way back to, I had these ways of thinking when I was little, right. I had people putting me on diets and telling me what foods I should and shouldn't eat and what are good and bad since a very young age. So you're not going to be able to undo all of that or break that way of thinking overnight. Like right. that's going to take a lot of dedication and love to yourself to break down those barriers and those negative thoughts and all those things that you were taught at a very young age. For and years and years and right. years. And it's, it's not, not like... Now I'm sitting here, oh, it's my mom's fault for, you know, putting me on a diet or it's this doctor's fault for telling me to lose weight or it's those bullies in third grade for m pushing me and making fun of me on the playground. It's all their fault because, like I said, it comes down to me taking responsibility for my choices and my actions in life. But going back and looking at it, all that trauma and all that hurt and all those emotions that I kept in now trying to process that and get it Absolutely. out is going to be such a bigger task than just, okay, now I realize it and but now I think I'm better. too, you're aware, you, you can look back at those situations and those things and realize what was going on, where in the moment you don't realize that that's the way you're thinking or why you're thinking the way you are. Right. So what I, I, I hope now that, you know, I've shared this and whatever, is we really focus on the way we talk to ourselves, the way we talk to our children, the way we talk when other people are in the room. Because even now, I've had friends say, you know, I was talking on the phone to my friend saying, oh, my God, I'm so fat. I can't go wear a bathing suit because my body's so fat. And then the next day, they heard their daughter talking about, you know, looking in the mirror. Oh, I'm not wearing this bathing suit. I'm so fat. 
Like right. it's role modeled. Like well, it's exactly. these behaviors. It's, it, you never know who's watching right. or who's imitating what it is that you're doing, be that your kids or just anywhere out in public. I mean, right. you never know who's watching and who's you know, and we I've had, you know, friends, their kids say, oh, I can't eat bread. My mom says it's bad. Right. Or um, my mom says I'm too big. I can't eat a cupcake. And it seriously breaks my heart because I know how that feels being a child who was told those things and, you know, had those views and heard, you know, good food, bad food. I shouldn't eat this because I'm big. Friends telling me you shouldn't eat that cupcake or I'm not giving you cake because you're big. How much that causes harm. And so my biggest thing now is just really being aware of not only how I talk to myself, but how I talk to others. And when I hear others making these claims or these statements, the only way we're going to break the stigma and the things around it is being that voice and helping to change the dialogue that we're all saying with ourselves in terms of ourselves, our body, the way we view food, our relationship with ourselves. Because the more we say it, the more we're going to believe it. The more we say it, our children are listening and going to believe it. Our friends are going to listen to it. If I keep saying I can't eat bread because it's so bad, then maybe that's going to trigger something in Kevin or my sister. Or And we're just going to keep adding to this negative mindset around food, our right. bodies, our eating. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of break that stigma, those barriers, those whatever. And really just focus on loving ourselves and doing what we need to do to better our lives for ourselves absolutely i think that's the bottom line and like you just said i wrapped it up, you wrapped it up perfectly it's it's thinking about what you're doing to better yourself but also what you're role modeling to anybody else who's out there watching listening and looking up to you mm -hmm. and you know the biggest thing that if you could take away one thing from me sharing my story is you really need to do what's best for you and make the decisions and the choices for you. So if you are really struggling with your weight, your body, your body image, your relationship with food, it's really digging down deep and breaking down those barriers of I need help because asking for help does not make you weak. Asking for help does not mean you failed. Admitting that you're struggling or you know these comments hurt you or being honest with your feelings and your emotions and standing up for yourself, that's what's most important. Right. It's not keeping it in and pretending well, everything's fine all the time. I, I think that's a true sign of strength is being able to mm -hmm. see those things, admit them and work on them as opposed to keep digging deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, realizing that you've got some sort of a, something going on and then fixing it and taking it head on and saying, I'm going to change this. Right. That's true strength right there. Right. It's definitely asking for help is totally a sign of strength that should never be viewed as a weakness. And you're never alone. I never want you to feel like you're alone with this. You're struggling with this. Nobody cares about you. Um, we're all in this together. And, you know, if you are struggling, please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, if you feel like you don't have that support system or you can't turn to anyone, no one understands, just know that we're both, you know, always reach out to us. Um, because I know how hard it can seem when you feel like the world's against you and you just need... Or nobody else knows what I'm going through. Right. Because there's you, absolutely somebody out there who's gone through right. what you've experienced. Because I know for me, I felt like I was dug down deep inside a hole somewhere and I had no one I felt like I could turn to from a very young age and I had to keep it all in. Um, and so just know, like, reach out, ask for help um, and make yourself and your mental health and your feelings valid and heard and you know, never be ashamed to get the help that you might need because looking back, yes, obviously, I mean, we've covered this. I wish I didn't get to 500 pounds, but more importantly than that, I wish I would have asked for help a long time ago and started the process of healing instead of keeping all those years and years and years of that pain in um, and actually admitted, you know what, I'm struggling, I need help, and I'm not okay. Right. No. I think that's it. And I think we'd like to say thank you for watching and on YouTube, if that's where you are and listening, wherever it is that you consume podcasts. Um, we're bringing new episodes every Monday. So be on the lookout for those. And thank you for taking the time to rate, review and subscribe. And remember, it's, it's never, never too late, late to fly. fly.